This is the one with the missing ninth. Second century Scotland. Bill's third trip down a hole. The twelfth doctor's first instinct. And... For the umpteenth time. It's called The Eaters of Light. Here, Here we, we go. go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek, Cyber, Zood and Wow. Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between and beyond, welcome to another Roman Britannic Pictish episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, Doc Past. I am Drew Back When, the lead host tonight, but as I said before, a lead host is naught without some people who he can introduce. The first person who's going to get introduced tonight is the chief riddler himself in Oxford, the podcast man, the totem, the inimitable, the original. Oh, that's me. Hi, it's Leon. Hello. Hello, podcast land. Hello, Drew. Hello, Leon. And who is this third whom we have yet to introduce? Why she's calling in from Berlin? It's the magnificent, the marvellous, the married... Why, it's Marie! Hello, podcast land! Spoilers! <laughs> Hello, Marie! Hello! Congratulations, Marie! Doo bib doo ba doo! On your secret wedding in Denmark! Doo ba doo! It's not secret anymore, you've just broadcast it to the nation! Sorry, it was alliteration's fault. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly, yeah, huge congrats. We Thank teased you. this on uh, on the, the Tweety Bloops and on Facebook. But uh, yeah, wow. Yes, we had, a, we had a sneaky Danish wedding last week that we just took yeah. off. Marie, Marie, our... who, who, who did you marry? Oh my goodness, <laughs> you, you'll never guess. <laughs> Why, it, was our, it was our very own Jim. <laughs> Jim Cakes! <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy the Who, that's who. <laughs> and Podcast Jim the wedding. That leaves me in Leon, but I'm already married. Sorry, dude. <laughs> also, sorry, Mr. Knight, uh, Knight writer. I did not marry Jim. That was the ruling slash only theory about. Uh, <laughs> I thought that. I thought uh, that was a very what nice happened. theory. Yeah. In another universe, maybe. Yeah, I should be so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's been a very good husband so far. Aw. I mean, anyone can mask it for a week. (laughs) Okay, so back on topic. This is N141, The Eaters of Light. Top level. (laughs) What did we think? Well, I thought it was fantastic. One of the top-notch best episodes I've ever seen. And I can't wait to tell you why. Oh, here's my friend who agrees with me. Was this not so incredibly evocative, interesting? The characters had such depth. Really original, I thought, as well. Lots of ideas I've never right? seen before. Absolutely. Yeah. Put it yeah, together in a really exactly. unique fashion. Best thing about it, the two kids who bookend this episode loved oh, them. Loved the kids. They're Thank the goodness they kids. weren't CGI'd. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you think, Drew? You guys had me going there, especially Marie. <laughs> like, I think that since your recent <laughs> acting spell in The Return of the Space Pirates, you could sell literally any lie and I would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pro now, darling. 
Yeah. I mean, this may be a similar review to a similar episode from two series ago, fulfilling a similar function in the forest of the night. Mm. Oh, where you guys were all like, how big a shit can I force out in an hour and a half? (laughs) And I was like, but it's more atmospheric rather than scientific. It's like a mood piece. And so it isn't totally Family show, Drew. Family show. (laughs) (laughs) How big a shit can we force out? Is that what you said? (laughs) Yikes. Yikes, caramba. Listen back and tell me that's not what you did. (laughs) Well, I'm up for a repeat tonight if you are, Leon. (laughs) Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I feel some criticism a-brewing. <laughs> In your lower abdomen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shall we jump from there into a bee scow? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. When Bill challenges the Doctor on his knowledge of Roman Britain, he transports her and Nardole to a desolate Aberdeenshire hillside so that he can establish his credentials on the fate of the famous Lost Ninth Legion as a former Roman farmer, governor, juggler, and Vestal Virgin second class. But something is gravely wrong. They're in Scotland, and it's not raining. No midges either. Either they've landed on the one summer day every decade, or a wee embryonic gatekeeping Ginge has let a light-eating locust through an interdimensional rift in a classic case of Romani's Aunt Domus gone wrong. As our heroes dodge between the spears of the prehistoric Picts and the swords of the cowardly centurions, can they get these two childish factions to stop being scared of each other and grow up? In time to stop the stars from being eaten and finally give Earth's chatty Corvid something to crow about. Miska, you are welcome. welcome. <laughs> That bloody crow. That bloody crow. (laughs) Leon, would you like to start us off with some words about that bloody crow? Okay, yeah, sure. Were you similarly disappointed by the crow? We're told that they're intelligent, they can speak, they say doctor at one point, they say monster at one point. They're, They're like taking part in the narrative, but then they play no part in the narrative. Yeah, the cold open. I thought the crow was really cool, and the and they're like, I don't know. It really took me back to like face the raven. I was like, oh, this crow's going to be really integral in this story, oh, and they the can, raven, yeah. and they're clever, and it's shouting for the doctor, and it's like intelligent, and it wants help, and then yeah, it just turns into like Nardo being really dumb and chatting to the crow, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and. And the oh, and the ending is so cheesy when it's like oh yeah, for eternity they just remember this one name. Like they were supposed to be intelligent, but they forgot it all just to focus on this one name that they would call forevermore. Just yeah, very disappointing. Uh, forevermore. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's Ravens. I mean, nice, very Leon, nice. Leon, perhaps you would like to cull this cheesy soundbite and put it in the episode because it is so so unbelievably naff. Yeah, you were wrong. The crows aren't sulking. The crows are remembering. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, weren't they just a wasted asset in a way? Those crows. It seemed like I, I didn't think about the face the raven. That would have been a really nice callback. Mm, yeah, like, I thought it was meet, going. If to you're be. a doctor and you meet a raven and it speaks to you, wouldn't you go? 
Oi, Raven. <laughs> I got a bone to pick with you, buddy. Does this uh, episode a few seasons back or one season back? I, I've missed. I, I've lost track. I travel a lot of through time. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's nice. Was that a real raven, though? Or was it just part of the tattoos in the neck? Stock footage? Business. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was just a raven-shaped spirit demon or whatever. That's true. No, that's that's also a good point, yeah. But it, still, the ravens are made out to be incredibly intelligent. It, it's the equivalent of... Hmm. Do you remember Matt Smith was able to speak baby? Mm, yeah. yeah. And here we have Capaldi is able to speak Raven in a sense. Well, no, everyone's able to speak Raven. Oh, yeah, no, sorry, you're right, yeah. Whatever well, language. That, I mean, don't get me started on that. That was a bit of a letdown as well, because the doctor was like, oh, I can always, like, can't you always hear? The crow's always talking to me kind of thing. And I was suddenly like, oh, like, Nardole suddenly got raven speaking powers. Where did that come from? And I thought that was going to be a really interesting twist rather than, no, they, like, they used to be able to speak and they, they just lost that ability. Like, that's so lame and boring. Yeah, the TARDIS translation matrix is just automatically translating the crow's voice so you don't even have to learn anything yeah which is why crows nowadays even when the tardis is translating only say car so actually it's incredibly clever and well thought out well well <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of the tardis translation matrix yeah did it it really pulled me out of it a little bit for bill to be all shocked by this oh i'm no you're speaking english wait am i speaking latin i feel like it's so f- late in the series that that really should have up already it did it just yeah didn't that's really, super true like she's been to other planets and never questioned that they all speak english i feel like it's been a while since we reviewed one of these new who ones i'm gonna have a quick look at what we've had bill in to date by going to whobackone.com and clicking on bill oh. pods i mean you Empress go of anywhere mars, else so she can understand ice warriors yeah who live on like under the surface of mars why are they speaking english yeah that's a bigger question <laughs> they're speaking english because they met that British soldier, and he uh, taught them all English, of course. <laughs> but not the not the Actually, queen. You know looking at, looking no, at Bill right. Potts, I think maybe this this one checks out. Shit, I, I, I hate to say this. I think maybe this <gasps> one checks out. So looking at what Bill has done to date, so Empress of Mars, as Drew said, those Ice Warriors have been interacting with English people for some time, so maybe they just speak English. Before I then, just accepted Marie's point about the Queen. Oh, yeah, I missed the, that. Oh, sorry. The, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. What was that? The butler guy has been on Earth, and so he might have learned English, but then when the Queen wakes up, she just continues speaking in English as well. Oh, that... Yeah. Nope. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't make sense. You're right. Unless the Queen is just, like, hyper-intelligent, and maybe they're a hive mind, and she knows English because one of her um, underlings knows knows English. But aside from that, she's encountered the the monks the in, you know, Extremis and whatever, the pyramid at the end of the world. Oxygen, that's all just humans. Knock, knock, that's a human and a bunch of aliens that don't speak. Mm. Thin ice, humans and an alien that doesn't speak. Smile, humans and, an a- and robots that don't speak in, well, verbally. Pilot, ditto. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, she hasn't encountered anyone who's been like obviously translated. Interesting. Okay, maybe I should take that back then. It just, 
it just really seemed to like pull me out of it because I feel like that's normally something that happens quite early on and it yeah. just I started thinking is it should, did they write this as an earlier episode and it's come out of order or something because it was another I felt oh that yeah way as well yeah like so right in the beginning Bill's like oh no I definitely more know more about these Roman soldiers than you did I read a book about it I was like come on like you know who this yeah. guy is how can you possibly think that that's even remotely feasible yeah that's utter nonsense yeah. <laughs> I didn't have that thought about the TARDIS translation matrix when I watched this but w- the second you said it it made perfect sense to me and uh, another reason why it makes perfect sense is that there's clearly shit going on between episodes yeah that yeah. we're not seeing at some point they'll have had a conversation about the ninth legion so that's happening off screen and if that can happen off screen then other stuff can happen off screen yeah that many clearly more should have subjected her space adventures exactly yeah she should have been subjected to the translation matrix by now so yeah no yes Dag Nabbit that's a negative that's a minus point in the (laughs) (laughs) ah but maybe it'll be the only one I was thinking (laughs) my hypothesis was that perhaps we know the established pattern of New Who series you have a episode largely set on earth where the characters introduced they go to the future they go to the past maybe this was going to be the third episode and they just promoted thin ice for some reason Mm, Mm. get that racist punch in nice and early make a good (laughs) hard point mayhap but they did the um um like the gay punch in this episode actually instead so either way oh, yeah. Worked. Yeah. yeah that's true <laughs> sorry did you say the gay punch is that <laughs> oh, what you I called it <laughs> drew called it a racist punch i didn't know what else to do <laughs> because they punched a racist all oh, right I thought, I, th- I thought you were being metaphorical i don't know <laughs> no okay. the 12th doctor literally just left hooked a racist i remember I, now <laughs> yes okay yeah no gays were punched in the making of this episode but <laughs> i also noted the the slightly different take the new take on uh, sexual preferences in mm. doctor who i thought it was nice i thought it was very elegantly dealt with yeah i really liked yeah. it and i really like how she was like preparing herself for this really uncomfortable situation and then yeah she was suddenly the prude and like oh no you're like yeah exactly like no i'm i'm uh, what is this what does he say like i'm regular i like everyone yeah. i'm <laughs> like, ordered, yeah, yeah, but yeah. i respect your restrictions exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not everyone has to you know be modern yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was nicely done. It's a new twist. Mm. Unfortunately, I would have to take my entire classics degree again with a new set of filters to uh, know anything about actual Roman proclivities in this area. But I remember from I remember Catullus was uh, fairly explicit about some of the goings on. So yeah, sure, why not? Mm. All I remember of Catullus was, is Little Sparrow. Yeah, passa passa. That's right. I, I don't I don't remember anything about the JJs or dongles. Oh, there's uh, there's a very evocative verb irumabo. Oh yeah, which loosely translates as "I'm gonna bum ya." Oh nice. Oh, yeah. nice. oh good for you, Catullus. I'm gonna write that Catullus. one. Catullus. Um, <laughs> the only thing I think thinking about it again actually would have been nice would be if the so they point over to another guy and they're like, "Oh, he's like you. Like he only likes guys." 
And so they're the only two like gay people in the room and they're still kind of the outsiders. Like it's everyone's bisexual yeah. or pansexual or whatever, but the gay people are still on the outside. It wouldn't it would have been cool if it was like, Oh yeah, he just likes women, like what a weirdo. And actually the straight person was like on the outside for once. Oh. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess they were missing one like there there was one variable missing. Yeah. 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 Bill could have said, Is there anyone straight here at all? And Claudius could have gone, I Claudius. I'm <laughs> straight. <laughs> so they've missed two tricks, in fact. I think Claudius was missing a trick or two as well. <laughs> Did you like the Roman interlocutions? The uh, Bill. Nice I mean, since we're talking about there. Bill chatting with Romans, did you like the Romans in general? The cowardly oh, sorry, Romans. Oh, I just complimented uh, your use of interlocution as a nice Latinate word. Oh, nice. <laughs> How about some facts? This was directed by Charles Palmer. Ooh. Charlie, Charlie P. Wait, Charlie P. We have encountered Charlie P. before, son of Jeffrey P., but also distinguished and established director in his own right. Oh, yeah? Um, Yep, this was first broadcast on the 17th of June, 2017. And here's some trivia for you, which everybody knows about this episode. It's literally the most notable thing about it. It was written Mm. by Rona Munro. Indeed. Leon, would you like to communicate some of the import, the significance of this factoid. <laughs> sure, why not? Rona Munro also wrote the Serial Doctor Survival, which was in fact, let's just underscore this, the last ever classic Doctor Who serial. Ever. She wrote Survival and then there was no more classic Doctor Who. That is so ironic. It did not survive Survival. (laughs) She killed off Doctor Who. (laughs) She is the only person who has written for both classic and new Who. Which is good trivia. It's a very juicy accolade. Well done, Rona Munro. I've not seen uh, Survival yet, but the second I learned of this juicy bit of trivia, I YouTubed trailers for Survival, and I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got cat people. Oh. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being in... sarcastic or not. Oh, no, massively. So the... Uh... <laughs> oh, you guys. I can't tell where I am with you anymore. Very sorry. So it, uh, my understanding is, I mean, I'm looking forward to it in general because it's going to be this incredibly legendary serial. It's, mm. it, I mean, b- simply by virtue of being the last one. But apparently uh, Ace wants to go back to uh, to visit her hometown. She and the seventh doctor go there. Uh, people have been disappearing. Some kind of beastie has been taking people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rings a bell. Um, and, um, <laughs> and potentially that beastie is a uh, cat person mm. uh, there, there may in fact be several cat people uh, they look awesome by the way they look great I, I felt a tingle in my nethers when I saw that makeup good stuff very good stuff did not look like a good cereal I should clarify that but I think I, I'm, I'm really really looking forward to it <laughs> I'm going to pluck the positive from the paragraph you just said, which uh-huh. is, I liked the look of the Eater of Light in mm. this episode. Oh, you did? Yeah, mm. I thought so. Interesting, uh, yeah. I liked the tenderly light things coming out, and when it was like grabbing through the hole and stuff. But I think when you saw the whole thing like galloping towards you, when they were putting it in the trap, and Nordol was like running away squealing, I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
we must write Nardole into the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. We must. Now, whom should we cast as Nardole, though? That's Definitely Rory. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you guys say that. I wasn't that enamored by the look of it. I did enjoy it conceptually, though. I, I, I think it was. it's pretty cool to have something that just eats light, that sucks light out of you. Yeah, I, I really liked the glowing of the tendrils as well. Um, it reminded me a bit of Beetlejuice, just the sheer stripiness oh, yeah, yeah. and the movement of it all, the sinuousness. Mm. Um, and I, I agree with Marie, galloping, it doesn't look great. I think it's a better swimmer than it is galloper. Yes. Um, yeah, the shots of it just standing fairly still when it was in the forest, it looked pretty mean. It was very predatory. I did not want to be stuck in a moonlit glade with that thing. Is no, it a little similar fair. to the aliens in Pitch Black? Have you seen Pitch Black? Vin Diesel classic? No, I haven't. <laughs> Now that acting, no amount of acting could make that sentence believable. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, the the that. film that gave the world Riddick has aliens that live in the dark and possibly only... There's something about light and dark in there as well. Mm. I, I have a feeling that they look similar, but I might be misremembering. I have a question about the alien and the light-eating aspect of this so well I have a are you gonna questions. say that it doesn't quite add up marie <laughs> i just i, I just want to clarify a few things because uh-huh. okay so first off uh-huh. number one the doctor is like okay this monster has come through it's all weakened and you know sad because the it just destroyed a big army and they probably attacked it too so, but when the sun comes out, it's going to regenerate and then it will be fought back to its full strength. So we should attack it now. But meanwhile, he's been gone for two days. So it's had two full days worth of sun. Oh, but it is Scotland. Oh, yeah. It's been very dim in the interim. It's incredibly bright when he reappears. Yeah. Like it becomes daylight That's very That's a super quickly. good point, Marie. Yeah. Yeah. So I, don't, so <laughs> I think this episode been... doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then yeah. second point. Number two. Number two. When <laughs> they try and like trap him, they like it's in the nighttime and then they, they make the fire and they're like, okay, I'm going to funnel you into this. Use all these stones and point you towards it. And then they start, like, I don't know quite how they do it, because I, I think I must have, like, I don't know, not been paying attention or something. But suddenly I, they're using No, I think light you're onto something. I think weapon. this is bullshit. They use yeah. light as a weapon, basically. And yeah. he's like, uh, oh, it's oh, shit. Oh, it's oh, answer, it's can, answer can, dick and balls. Marie, Marie, the, the term you are looking for is an optical cancellation disc. What does, what does this Wait, do? Wait, what? Because it seems to fire light at it. Yeah, but it's the wrong kind of light. The wrong That's kind crucial. of light. You missed okay. that crucial point. It's I missed that as well. It's I orangey totally instead well. of yellowy, and it hates orangey. Oh, sure. Okay. I thought yeah. there was something like that, Drew. That's why I wanted to yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. All makes sense. I, 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 oh, and I now you're fine. Well. 5.0. Only the pedants in the audience picked up on this one. I did not notice this either, Marie. I'm, I'm your friend who agrees with you. I was, the, I was the, so it seemed confused. like, oh, this thing only eats chicken. Oh, let's feed a chicken. It'll, it won't know what to do. <laughs> no, no, no. Instead, they feed <laughs> nuggets at it. They, they feed it turkey. And it's like, this isn't chicken. Oh, no, I'm undone. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And the f- and the last thing is, we aren't like. Why do we only ever see it at night? It like does it hate the sun? I can't work out 
Why is it? <laughs> yes, yeah, if it wants it to feed the sunlight, but it yeah. only shows up at night. Yeah, that's oh tragic irony. I don't irony. really understand because, and then he, he was talking about oh, you know, you've let him in, and now he's going to eat all the light in the world, and eventually he'll eat the stars and all the the solar system, and everything will be disappeared. And it's like, but it is hiding from the sunlight. I don't really understand how it's going to go and eat the sunlight. Now, you see, Marie, during the day, it's in the sunniest place sunbathing i assume it pops down to england for the day <laughs> is where it goes <laughs> to get get so much sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah more than scotland okay no, the worst the, place add... for a porthole really yeah so you need unlucky to go open a door down in spain or something <laughs> <laughs> well i would add point number four the doctor's like oh once the sun comes up it'll be strong enough to feed He's talking over someone it's just fed on and gained strength from. If you feed off someone, then you can feed off another guy and then another guy. And it's already yeah. a runaway chain reaction, right? Exactly. And um, what is like, it exactly it's that it's feeding on? They're in a oh, sorry, yellow Marie, light, not their orange light, their yellow light. But inner, um, yeah, it, what, what, what's the inner bit? Like what, what is what are we talking about here? So so it can it can suck sunlight out of a a human being because what they've been out in the sun but like it's in scotland it's it's somewhere on a heath it's surrounded by plants that are uh, uh, photosynthesizing as it growls just like suck sunlight out of that uh, or no. out of anything it's all about the vitamin d dude it's all about the sweet sweet calciferol but yeah, what like it's it's munched on an entire Roman army, and that has not been enough light for it. Why is yeah. it bothering chasing these random like one or two that are left? Why isn't it just going towards the light and going to the sunny uh, why place? Why can only one of them come out at a time? Yeah, what's that about? And it's not like one per day or something like that. It's just like one at a time can come out. Um, but uh, no, if it's limited by that, then surely that means that that one Boogins has eaten tons of vitamin D tablets and is just like crazy strong and should be very difficult to defeat. Yeah. How does this make sense at the end? You, you put a pin in that. We need to talk about the end. The end makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Do, do, do. Put a pin in it entirely. Your Boogin con comment reminds me of when the doctor goes in is there for a couple of days, slash a yeah. few seconds. He steps out. Boogin number two is rapidly approaching him, mouth agape. Uh -huh. It should follow through in the next half an hour or so. Yeah, Just, no, And then true. there should be two of them. Yeah. And then nobody's, Boogin number three. Nobody's at the gate sealing it. There needs to be someone no. there blocking it off. Why aren't they Why aren't they just streaming through now? It's only open for a few minutes a day chatting. because the sun has to shine at a very particular angle, perhaps. So maybe, maybe it does go for the doctor and then, bam, it hits his head on a solid <laughs> interdimensional wall and it's like, damn, I didn't expect that. <laughs> oh, no, Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah that, to the boogins the doctor has just uh -huh. a big semicircle of black acme paint between the dimensions <laughs> run back to scotland <laughs> and it goes splat arms and legs splayed so shouldn't there by that logic shouldn't there be tons of boogins just like waiting at the door all of them slightly dazed and confused just waiting to <laughs> to fall through and go like wait 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 wait, wait. Hey, no one shine a weird orange light on me for a second i've got a really like i've got a splitting headache right now <laughs> 
Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Dude, what was your pin? Well, the pin was about the end. So, at the, I mean, we'll obviously, we'll circle back to the beginning and the middle and all that jazz at some point. But, like, since we're talking worse about these jazz. even worse than jazz. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. It is that to be fair. <laughs> at the end, the embattled forces, the, the locals and the the remainder of the Ninth Legion. Is it is it the Ninth Legion? Whatever, the Ninth Legion. Yeah, yeah. They join forces to walk into to march into the gateway across dimensions playing that fucking tune <sighs> so many I, I did not make many notes during this episode but about 37% of them are concerned <laughs> that fucking tune um, but yeah so they march in we've already learned that like they don't stand a chance against these creatures yeah. fast forward tons of time they're still playing that song yeah. and they're still alive like and it doesn't, i don't remember it doesn't the band like... walking through the void presumably the band followed them in <laughs> probably <laughs> like <laughs> oh, shit first the titanic and now this <laughs> the... <laughs> it doesn't seem to me like the earth has been saved by any stretch so i guess my question is uh has it well it doesn't feel like it because the idea is was before one person would go in and basically sacrifice themselves and then in 70 years the next like they'd die in the other place and the next person would go in so maybe now there are like 10 of them they still have a human like earth lifespan at some point they're yeah. gonna die of old age in that place and then yeah they're all just gonna pile through <laughs> there's mil- he said there were so, millions of them let, let's do the maths so how long did doc actually spend in there was it three days three days right he said uh he's two days days. And eight hours let's call it two days <laughs> 2.3 days how long did he think that he spent in there he said a few seconds a, f- a few seconds oh yeah right okay so, <laughs> okay, so, quite, so. It, is, it will be a long long time maybe the human race has yeah. like died out by then anyway so but the thing is they're not gonna they're not gonna live to the age of 70 because a million light-eating monsters are gonna try and eat them before then so exactly I have to interrupt you because some some nerds will be listening, praying for the end of this mathematical arithmetic calculation. Go ahead, please, please do it, please do it. I've already closed the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are, <laughs> there are eighty six thousand four hundred seconds in a day. Yeah. In two and a third days, there are roughly 200,000 seconds. So let's multiply it in the most uh, rounded, imprecise sense. Let's say the doctor spent 10 seconds in there. Let's multiply it by 20,000. If these guys can fight off the Boogans for a day, then... That's still just seconds. Oh, oh, right. Oh, sorry. For them, it's a day. Yeah. So they can, Mm, let's say they can fight them off for a day. So on Earth, that would be 20,000 thousand days that will be 55 years yeah so fast forward 1800 years yeah <laughs> yeah they'll all be dead like they should yeah. be just for some reason the only people who are alive that we still are aware of are the fucking band <laughs> <laughs> You know why it is? Because the Boogans are being driven mad by that awful tune, and they're just cringing and cowering in their aquatic dimension, being like, please, please, we'd rather die. They're all eating each other. <laughs> I think 
in this dimension, the music like emits orange light, and so they just have to keep playing on a loop like 24 ah. hours a day to keep them at bay. It, it, it emitted orange light straight into my brain. It made me not want to live anymore. This is why right before they went in, they were like, uh, Oi, Greg, bring the glockenspiel. Uh, and what else is there that's like really annoying that you, you could bring? The proto-bagpipes. Oh. The picnic bagpipes. <laughs> bagpipes. This, Sorry, anyone in Scotland. Wouldn't this have been a much better, like, maybe it's like really, really noise sensitive. So you make a clanging loud noise and it's like... Boom. <gasps> and that's yeah. how they get it through in the first yeah. place. And then they could exactly. send the band in and that would be keeping them at bay forever. Like yeah, that would have been such absolutely an right. Rather than shining light at the light monster. Which yeah, yeah, exactly. Stop throwing chicken McNuggets at this chicken eater. It makes no sense. Yeah. And then the girl <laughs> at the end, she's like, "I can hear the music." And then after five seconds, she's like, "Oh, this is really fucking terrible." Pause. <laughs> <laughs> Those but it, bloody but it kids. Would, it would make the music have some power and some meaning, and it would it would bring everything together rather than us just being irritated by it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know what else can eat a dick in this episode? Rune stones. So here here's the reason why. Okay, oh, uh, why? it it why? really it really I absolutely assumed in the beginning that I, I mean okay fine no rune stones are great and I appreciate that these aren't rune stones but they don't write in They're the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> picked pebbles nice the beginning had those two kids run up the whatever it is Judy, up the hill Judy if you die I'll be in lots of trouble <laughs> <laughs> sound fine <laughs> actually you know what it's better in that accent so, so I know just leave it in <laughs> <laughs> they run up that hill and it's as though she's listening. The girl is listening to one of the stones and she can hear the music. And my automatic, because I couldn't remember anything about this episode. I didn't remember if I, even if I liked it the first time around. Still don't remember that. But it seemed as though she could hear the music through the stone. And I, my assumption was, since the her brother constantly kept saying, like, if you stay here, you're clearly going to die. So, like, let's not stay here. Ghost, Why haven't they built a fucking fence around this hill for starters if it's like common knowledge that you die if you go up it. But then my assumption was she's going to turn into a stone. Like the, mm. the, She's running up there. She's going to turn into a stone. And part of that arc is that whatever Doc and Bill are doing in the past is going to help save her in the future so that she actually survives whatever peril oh, that she's entering yeah. into. Yes. But she never enters into any peril. She just listens to that sound bites. Yes. It makes me want to climb my dick in a knot. Like I hate this. <laughs> I absolutely hate this. That's oh, an extreme so right. reaction. <laughs> no, it's a fair reaction. I wish I had a dick to tie in a knot. That's, that's... Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I kept waiting. But I, I didn't because I forgot about the little <laughs> child in the beginning because it just didn't add anything. And then we came to Honestly, the end and I was once, like... Once you've got the dick, there are so <laughs> many better things to do with it. But carry on. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, Drew. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, and it just never came around again. And then at the end, right, she's I'm like, you, oh, I can hear the music. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, well, great. So if she can hear the music, surely lots of people have heard the music. Why isn't there a whole thing surrounding these stones? Oh, welcome to the stones that play music. Hey. They've been doing that. Yeah. For Why hasn't the world's press years? descended on the area? These exactly. should be like the singing rocks of... 
wherever. Like it's really it, world it, famous. <laughs> what are the singing rocks that the singing towers to? of Derillium? There That's, we go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I was trying to remember the name of it. Yeah, thank you. Yikes, Karamba. What an utter gobshite book ending for this episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, one of my notes, in fact, my very first note about this episode was we've had some epic cold opens over the years. This isn't one of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then it became but, a bookend. A yeah. cold close as well. <laughs> that left us all cold. <laughs> I actually did like I didn't mind it in the beginning because I quite liked this cute little Scottish girl running out with the red hair and the red uh, wellies. And she I was, was like, blonde. Oh, was she blonde? All right, blonde. Oh, okay, so it's opposite. Blonde, <laughs> blonde hair and red wellies. Because when we first had Amelia Pond, she had red hair and yellow wellies. I think. Oh, oh and this Scottish girl. And nice. I thought it was going to be a little callback to that, and then it just didn't do anything. So yeah, it was that that and the Raven? I was like, oh man this is full of little like nuggets and it's going to be really interesting and cool and yeah that none of them oh, yeah. went anywhere now they all got thrown those nuggets they all got thrown at the <laughs> sort of nugget <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, the the problem. There's another problem which we've skipped over, which is oh, yeah? the ancestors couldn't close the gate completely. They built the cairn to control it. Nardole even says about the writer's own script. Oh, it's quite clever, really. Mm. But then, oh. <laughs> but then... <laughs> I love it when you bring this up, Drew. I absolutely love it. I don't know. I don't know if I can explain this. Like it, it's the boner equivalent of a drinking game. Uh, I love every single time that you mention. <laughs> <laughs> that a script says that it's clever. <laughs> yeah. But then they all work, walk through the crack and everything collapses. So there's no way of venting the energy anymore. So we're all fucked anyway. Long before we Judy runs up the hill, the, 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 the earth has been ripped apart because there's no release of the power and the pressure. Hmm. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, that's optimistic. Yeah. Kiss goodbye to reality. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, I'm super happy about that. Thanks. Drew. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, am I am I not wrong though? No, no I think you're, you're a, a million percent right. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> this is not good. Uh, okay, so when at the end when everything should be fucked but somehow isn't and we're pointing light at the light eating monster and making it cower into the place and we finally get it back yeah. onto the side. And then the yep. doctor's like, I'll go through and save the day because I can live forever and regenerate. Is he like, is he literally gonna, is his plan just to stay there for, until he's run out of regenerations to fight them all off indefinitely? Is he like sacrificing himself to save the earth? Like, Yes, and he says multiple times, that's the clever bit. Yeah, no, it's like, no, did you buy that sacrifice for any. (laughs) Oh, sorry, I talked over you there. Marie, did you buy that sacrifice for a second? No, and he sat there in the back and they're like, no, doctor, don't do it. And he's like, oh, no, I will. I'm going to watch me. Hold me back. Hold me back. And uh, (laughs) just making no effort to get up. Let me at him. I'll splat him. <laughs> We've seen him at the beginning. He has all the um, the pointy daggers at his throat, and he just ignores them and just walks through and just does what the fuck he wants. Anyway, why would it be any different mm. this time? Like they're not gonna kill him if he's like trying to sacrifice himself. That makes no sense. Yeah, Capaldi pretends be... that his shoelaces have been tied together. Like, oh no! Oh no! Oh, and then he pretends that there's a rock in there. Was like, oh god! Oh, I can't really walk past this thing. Oh, if anyone were to hurry even slightly, they'd get there before me. And then like he 
he pretends to sleep. That is what he does. He does. Oh no, brave people. If someone brave were to walk towards the crack, oh no, are you all brave now? Oh. That's, oh, uh, yeah, I didn't buy that for a second either. That's no. utter nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> but also, actually, this this does bring something else to mind. The thing that they're using, the like, lens that they're using. What was it called again, Drew? You An mentioned optical it Optical cancellation disc. Right. Nice. So they're using that to take, what, sunlight and only... Any kind of light, because the sun hasn't even come over the hill yet. They're, they're refracting the fire, which fire. is yeah, showing you're right. up as orange even before it reaches the, the lens somehow. Don't ask me how. It looks awful. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, maybe so. Maybe I'm not onto something here. I was going to say, well, when they've gone through to the other side where there's no sunlight, how does that lens do? And like, it's not going to be of any use to them. But maybe, maybe they don't need the sunlight. Well, my mm. my other thing was when the doctor says he has a great plan. Why isn't that plan to set up a giant optical cancellation disc that shines through a slit in the can? On the rift, whenever the whenever whenever necessary for the few minutes a day just above sunrise, even though the sun will be rising in different places yeah, make the, the door by the uh, way. an optical <laughs> cancellation disc. Yes, yeah, make the door. Yeah, make the entire freaking wall an optical cancellation disc, so none of the boogans want to go near it ever. Boom, you're done. Nobody needs to sacrifice themselves. That's yeah. so much cleverer than his fucking clever idea. <laughs> Completely agree. But it, on top of that, it's it, it's a cleverer way of solving a problem that isn't interesting to start with. <laughs> What's the problem here? Oh, there's a door and boogans go through it and eat people. Oh, wait, was that it? Oh, that was it. Oh, I see. Sorry. I was wait- I was hanging back in case you were going to continue. No, that was it. You're done. Are you sure you were done? There wasn't anything else? You're like, no. you're like the Moriarty of doctors. Oh, if it's not interesting, let them all die. <laughs> well, frankly, yes. <laughs> This is a Vin Diesel Doctor Who episode, and I can do without those. <laughs> yeah, I dare say many could. <laughs> oh, I mean, on that topic, on that very topic, here's a sequitur for you. This, oh, here we go. At least according to overnight figures, was the lowest rated show of the entire New Who era before Whoa. and since. Wow. Oh, 55 got more viewers than this. Yeah, uh, that that is the second and last point of trivia I have noted down for this episode as well. <laughs> it was written by the person who ended Doctor Who and it had the lowest ratings. <laughs> I have a problem with the Doctor in this episode because he's so fucking patronising um, when he's talking to the... The small girl with all the writing on her face that is like hot. She's the only, like the oldest car, one left. Car. Oh, car. Oh, yeah. How could I forget her name? <laughs> <laughs> what was her name again? Ask a crow. All right. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. All the adults have gone. She's holding it together. She's like protecting the world. And he turns, turns to her and says like, oh, you pro- to protect this muddy little hillside, you're dooming the planet, basically. And it's like... But it's, have you not learned from this? Like, we had this with, what was me in the um, original one? What was the name? I forgot. A shielder. A shielder, yeah. yeah. And it's like, to me, it's this small sector, like this tiny, like, space that I know and these people that I love. And to me, this is the world. And this is so important. 
and she doesn't know that these things are going to kill the whole world. She's just worried about protecting her people. Like, of course she's going to protect her muddy little hillside. That's all she has. Um, and he's yeah, just so mean to her. almost of him. Yeah. Like, oh, well, so yeah. you're not advanced enough? Oh, you're, you're primitive? Yeah, how dare you look down on this person, Doctor? Yeah, yeah absolutely. it is a singular lack of empathy to be like, everybody sounds like children to me. And that's oh. why I don't bother trying to take their point of view in any way ever. That's the the adult stance in this situation. No, it fucking isn't. It absolutely <laughs> is not. No, no, I agree with you. That that really stood out as an oddity. Mm. He, he is meant to be this incredibly empathetic being this is this is why the doctor keeps uh, defending everyone yeah. i mean like, capaldi's always had an issue around the universe Cap- capaldi has always been one of the less empathetic incarnations but we are right up at the end of his run and he is supposed to have regained some of that thanks to clara thanks True. to his many adventures inhabiting his new body so if he doesn't have any of it here then what have we been fannying about at yeah oh <sighs> Marie, that Massive, is such a audible good sigh. That is such a good callback to a shielder's yeah. little village. But no, that you're but you're right as well. The the end line, like you all sound like children to us, is so was so cringeworthy. I because I thought it was going to be quite a poetic moment where like this army versus these like the picks and the and they're what they're all warriors, but they are children. Like I mean, the Roman guy is eighteen, so he's not that young, but. Like they sound like children to be I mean, he's also the oldest literal. One. Yeah, he was the oldest one. The rest of them are, you know, they're teenagers. They are children to each other, and like this should have been this common understanding of like, oh wow, okay, none of us really know what we're doing. We're just trying to survive, and like maybe we can come together and find a commonality. And then, and that was a really nice moment. And then it was flipped to be like, oh, we're all children to him. It's like, oh god, it's so cringeworthy. And I don't feel like. People don't speak like children. People speak really eloquently and fluently in every other like episode we've seen. It's not that it's dumbed down language. Yeah, they don't sound like children to us, the audience. So no. when Bill is hearing the Romans speak, quote unquote, English, is it to her like, you know, those uh, Haribo star mix ads oh, where oh, adults no. sound like children? Is that what she's hearing? Like, is, does everyone actually sound like a child to her? But to us, they sound like themselves? I have no it yeah, it literally came out of nowhere. I don't, I don't really understand why they felt yeah. they had that. And it, and it doesn't shine with the rest of the episode, as you say. Not even other episodes. This episode, it's incongruous with when they down in the cave all have fully developed sexualities of one kind or another, and. Car says, oh, that's true, yeah. let me tell you I have a monologue about the Romans and off she flies. Mm, and yeah. Yeah. That, that's not something a, a child necessarily gets up and says. A prodigy perhaps. <laughs> yeah. They left that word out. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I did like the Doctor better here than in, I mean, obviously the, the Lie of the Land and maybe the Empress of Mars. I thought that everybody had something to do and the Doctor was at least fun in the way he said that was the sound of my patience shattering into a billion pieces and he took control and then he dumped the popcorn in the fire. I liked all of that. 
Oh, the second... Okay, in my notes, I have written, the second the popcorn made an appearance, I wrote, I bet the corn will be thrown in the, in the fire and cause a distraction. Yeah. And Next. shortly thereafter, I added, boom, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It was so incredibly blatant on screen. That's not necessarily a problem with the, the script, but I, I feel like that was not handled particularly elegantly in this episode. Like, they, they weren't even trying to hide it. I think it literally did like a close-up of the fire and then like panned over to the popcorn like it was to the really, popcorn yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's it so like super in obvious. your face yeah <laughs> like, it would have it would have been really fun to like not do that but like use the popcorn in a different way I, mean, I don't know how you'd use popcorn but something that we all expect it to go one way and it goes somewhere else it's also I mean here would you like some popcorn that corn has already popped so if mm. you throw like is he just like here would you like some unpopped popcorn kernels <laughs> No thanks. I'm all right. All right. No worries then. I'll use these as a distraction. <laughs> this is the worst peace offering we've ever encountered. Yeah, the Romans exactly. slaughtered all of our kin. <laughs> what else do you have? Oh, well, I've got some raw turkey meat and uh... <laughs> just in case. <laughs> And just flour and water, but separate. <laughs> no bread. <laughs> Do with them what you will. <laughs> no, I'm good, thanks. I filled up on flour this morning. Oh, great. No, that's all right, then. <laughs> so we've mentioned, in passing, Nardole. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What did you think of Nardole in this episode? He said I... with an almost audible sigh. No, I... Oh, no. I I'm quite enjoyed him in this one. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it was so. It was so so cute when like Doctor comes out and he thinks he's been gone like literally seconds, and Nardole's covered in face paint is like sat in the middle of the gang telling stories, and because they all basically what is he children. talking about? By the way, he seems to be on some sort of boat themed narrative. I think he's just he's just living the dream. It's just like, look, I've got this audience. They don't know anything. I can regale them with like tales of space and time, and and he's just enjoying when, being. When Do- Doctor comes out, he's t- telling them about the Mary Celeste. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says something like, "Oh, and uh, stay where you are, and I'll tell you about the Lusitania the next time." I had to Google the Lusitania. It's also like a, it's another sh- like famous ship. Yeah, I, I, I'd never heard of it. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> I love it. I know. What we do. I, I did like that one part in that Nardole is such a survivor. Like he loses River, he's lost people before he gets to River. He loses the doctor. He just bounces right back and mm. carries on making his haphazard way through the universe. Whatever. Nardole will be there at the very end of time because he's indestructible and takes everything in his stride. And I also get that the Mary Celeste is possi- was possibly Rona's backup for this episode. Like I, I want a famous example from it, history of something it's going been on missing before. Has it? Yes, it's been in a classic uh, Hartnell serial. Guess which one? The Chase. Correct. <laughs> it was in. <laughs> We get to see the the Mary Celeste. It's completely empty because there are Daleks aboard, like firing lasers everywhere. Uh, <laughs> so it's not for the yeah. reason Nardole describes. No. Okay. Hmm. Well, well, hmm. Nardole just doesn't know that Doc's been there and done stuff. Like that was a different iteration of the Doctor. Well, yeah, but it's but still then the how same is... iteration of the ship. Yeah. How has Nardole been there? Uh, yeah, that's true. Hmm. I don't know if Nardole. Wait, hang on. What does Nardole say? 
He says something about there was an alien race, the Enzomagans, and they digested everyone on the ship because that's how they communicated. And one of them choked on a lifeboat. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 he did. Maybe there's like right, a yeah, space I'll, I'll Mary Celeste. The like there was the space Titanic. Maybe there's all, all the famous well, ships of history. And he just got confused. When yeah, is someone going to learn not to call any kind of vessel, be it uh, naval or spatial, either Titanic or Mary Celeste? Like, just <laughs> yeah. cut it out. Think of a different name. Thanks. Like, what name. are the odds it could go wrong again? Lightning can't strike <laughs> twice. What Was that thunder I just heard? <laughs> <laughs> Part of me wonders, if Nardole's given up on Bill and the Doctor, why isn't he just taking the TARDIS anywhere? Why hasn't he left already? Oh, that's a good point. Because, uh, fuck it, he's got just, things to do. Exactly. He's, he's got a captive audience. He's got, yeah, yeah, he's got new people to entertain. Um, I think They've you're right. He, just, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a plan. He just bumbles through life. And so where would he take yeah. the TARDIS? Like, but no, actually, no. What he would do is take the TARDIS mm. back to the vault because he obs- he has obsessed with guarding the vault. Yes, yes, he's That's true. He bookends so... this episode with kvetching about the vault and how yeah, they're not there. Absolutely, there's no nice. way he would just sit <laughs> chilling out here. Kvetch that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a minor fan of the word kvetch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, while we're on the topic of people moving on or not from the Doctor, I wasn't sure about Bill's response either. When she's in, she's been in the cave with the Romans for a couple of days, and she's like, "Yeah, my friend, he's brilliant. He's gonna come and rescue us." Blah blah blah. And then, kind of, there's a moment where she kind of clocks how long she's been there, and she's like, "Oh, I hope he comes. Like, I don't know what I'll do if he doesn't come. I'll have to find my way home somehow." And it's like, "How? How, how are you planning there? on finding your way home, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you? All I have do? to do is." Er- run in that direction for around about 1,800 years and then I'll get back home. <laughs> yeah. And she's so chill about it. I feel like she should be a little bit more panicked at this point that he might not come back for her. Maybe she thinks if she builds, with the help of the Picts, enough giant cairns to cover the whole of the highlands and communicate to an alien race saying, help, I'm stuck 2,000 years out of time. They did it last week. Someone will be along. <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah, maybe. Otherwise, I don't know. Am I am I getting the right impression here that you guys aren't going to score this particularly highly? Whatever makes you I think that. I don't know what gave you that impression. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, jinx, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, I felt like I had the impression that you were going to score it fairly highly, Drew. So, are you going to tell us some positives now to even Good out the score? Good idea. Ooh. Let me see if I can find some in my notes. <laughs> I was charmed. I know we've talked about the, all the problems with Bill discovering this so late in the game, but when she, the way Pearl Mackey delivers, oh my god, it does lip sync <laughs> while she's looking at the guy's mouth. I mean, surely that was, you know, gave you a little thrill. Yeah, that was really good. In fact, yeah. I think you'll note that that was one of the potential intro lines that got voted out. Uh, yeah, I like that line as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Leon, another one of your voted out lines was about the doctor being a second class vestal virgin yes indeed i bet that got you thinking (laughs) 
my first assumption actually was my like my first misreading of this was that it was a callback to um Capaldi's first Roman Huvian uh, performance. Yeah. What's his name? Oh. I've, I've forgotten his name now. Caecilius. Ky- oh, is his name Caecilius? I believe is he so. In, in Horta. Yeah. Can but, I just uh, ask sure. a really dumb question? Like what is a Vestal Virgin second class? The Vestal Virgins were a very select group of priestesses um, who served in the temple of Vesta in Rome. Their sacred function to the ancient city of Rome was incredibly important. They were the only women in ancient Rome who had an official public role. In every other sphere, women were just property of men but they were all women yeah because this is the doctor saying i was a vestal virgin but before at this point we he's never been a woman well yeah so is he a vestal virgin second class because because exactly because they made a special uh category for (laughs) him as a man or because he pretended to be a woman and their first class and they eventually found out (laughs) and they were like we're demoting you buddy Uh, potentially uh, yeah. there's, there's a long history of uh, male actors playing the Doctor in drag. Troughton did it, Pertwee did it. Pertwee did it very well. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, convincingly. I, I say long history. I think after those two, the, the list ends. But, um, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, potentially, uh, potentially he did exactly that, yeah. What about Death by Scotland? I like Death by Scotland. Yep, another one of my uh, bullets. Nice. And, and yeah. actually, I, I was all down on Nardole, but when he says he's talking about ingratiating self, you know, it's called charm, and the Doctor's like, I'm against that, and Nardole says, we know. I mean, that was a nice little <laughs> rat-a-tat interchange. Yeah. What What didn't you like about Nardole in this episode, though? Well, I didn't like the fact that he started off whiny and ended up um, threatening to go squeaky voiced. But in the middle, actually, now I think about it, he was largely lovable. Mm. Yes. Score. Oh, and I also I liked when they were like, Car, where have you been? And she said, I had to find the gatekeeper's things. It's just a terrible <laughs> excuse. Not an excuse at all. <laughs> And just to hammer yeah, it home I mean, a little bit more that one... she is a gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's one line to the next. I am the gatekeeper. I was looking for the gatekeeper's locker. <laughs> I don't me, know where it is. Tells me that she doesn't know what the heck her job is. She's been given the job title of gatekeeper. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the gatekeeper-y things. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's my domain. I deal with those. That's me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not making this up as a ghoul. <laughs> Keeper of that there gate. There's a, a certain incongruency about um, how she she seems to have lost her parents to uh, the the last time one of these creatures went through because the first time we meet her properly she's paying some sort of ritualistic homage to her parents and then boom she is good to go and happy to repeat whatever happened you know befell her parents. There's oh, it's a bit more involved than that. The, the doctor has to chivy her along, chivy her along a bit. She's chivy her, her along. Yes, in in the tent, she's sat there very quietly, remembering the dead, i.e., going back to how she was at the beginning. And he's like, "No, you got to move on from this. You got to move forward. You got to grow up and face your beasts and fight your fight." So there is some development put into that shift. 
It doesn't seem entirely realistic, but... Where are, like, her par- her parents were the previous gatekeepers, so maybe they went through and did the gatekeeper thing. But did it just... Why are there no adults in either scenario? Why is it only children that have survived? They just kill each oh, other. Oh, that's a super good question. And I can answer it because they went out to face the Romans and Gatekeeper Carr thought, I know just the help you need. And then the beast went out and just slaughtered everything indiscriminately. And she didn't think that far ahead. So but, they could have made a better job of actually emphasizing that in this episode that, yeah, she's responsible for all the adults dying as well. But I think they glossed over that a smidge. Yeah, I think so. But why, but why was she gatekeeper? Why wasn't an adult there keeping the gate? Well, there are no adults left. But is it, no, before they is all it die. A, an inherited title? I, I assume the Romans coming along just threw everything up in the air and they were like okay we have this emergency but there's an even bigger emergency that we need to deal with i think she's basically gone rogue like i feel like there was probably an adult watching the gate and then have said okay the sun's not in the right spot so i don't have to be here immediately everyone else just stay the fuck away from this gate because it's really dangerous i'm gonna go and like kill the bad guys and i'll be back in a minute and then she just like yeah, wandered yeah. up, like, oh, I know, I'm going to save the day, I'm going to open the gate, and isn't the gatekeeper, and it's just because she's killed everyone else that she's now taken on this title. Possibly. Equally viable, uh, and also equally nonsensical. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying guilt isn't a necessary motivation? Guilt is great, as far as motivation goes, but I don't, I don't necessarily see any evidence of it. Are we in any way told, is it hinted at, that she is picking up the mantle of this, the, the gatekeeper, because she she caused the previous rounds, the previous generation's demise? No. I just don't understand why But everyone why they... somehow expects her to do that. Everyone's, like, on board with it. There's no one's like, uh, excuse me, uh, Carr, Greg and Lisa were ahead of you in line? Like, you know, you're like three generations away from now. Everyone's on board with her doing it. But do, and does the gate need guarding every day? Like you said, the the light comes in at a certain time, and that's when it's open. If it's the light, fucking build a wall. You don't even need the lens. Yeah, but the light helps the oil gush vent or whatever. I don't know. Oh, you had me at gush. Yeah, it all comes spewing out willy-nilly. Uh, you lost me at spew, but then you had me at willy, and then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. No, it is, it, is, it is ridiculous, because presumably they have to check on the, on the inside of the cairn, on the rift, pretty frequently. It's not the sort of thing you can just assume, oh yeah, that's good for another 30-70 years, both of which are <laughs> hinted at in this yeah. episode of the length of time it'll take. <sighs> There was another thing that I that I took to um, issue with with Carr's um, description of the situation. <laughs> it's a, mm-hmm. it's slightly off topic, but it's like before the Romans came, we all we had was peace. And I'm like, like fuck, you did. Like you were the one ancient society that lived in perfect harmony and never beat each other up and never stole each other's cows or hill. And then the Romans came along and it went from hero to zero, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's almost another entry into Life of Brian territory there from the dock, isn't Ooh. there? Doesn't he say it's like, oh, but you, but isn't it great to have indoor toilets or roads or whatever it is? He says, I can't remember. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, isn't it fantastic to have aqueducts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the biggest thing we haven't talked about yet, Missy. Missy. Oh, as yeah. in Missy opportunities. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I loved Missy in this. It's just a pity that we only got like 30 seconds of her. (laughs) Really? I would have been fine with the 30 seconds. It was the succeeding two or three minutes that got to Mm -hmm. me when she's mm. hearing for the umpteenth and a thousandth time this music, the same music that we Judy on the hillside is hearing. Why doesn't we Judy have tears streaming down her face? Because that would make as much sense as Missy suddenly crying out of nowhere. Yeah, Missy's going through something. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's it's intense. <laughs> um, I'm willing to put it down to that. I don't think that it was in any way justified in the scene, Missy suddenly crying. But uh, yeah, no, she's got some shit going on in the background. You know, like, oh, let's just uh, respect that. I get that she's had to sit opposite the Doctor for hundreds of years while he puts her through the most intense mind rewriting therapy slash NLPing. On, on the way to a millennium of same, but it's just such a, a trite shortcut of, look, she's crying, that means everything. Because it also means nothing. Yeah. It's, mm. it's that monolithic. Mm. It's like, oh, she's crying. That'll mean everything to everyone. Whatever. Job done. Scene over. Ugh. I think I'm really bored of it just being this, like, tacked-on little ending, like, couple of mm. minutes as well. Like, I'm ready for her now. Like, we we found out how many episodes ago, like, we had it teased before then, and then we found out for sure that it was her, and now it's just the same, like, ooh, like, two minutes at the end. Um, which is another thing that made me think it was done out of order because it has nothing to do with the episode. It's just that right. scene in the TARDIS is filmed yeah. afterwards. So there's no cohesion. It's just so we don't forget about the vault, even though they've been mentioning the vault the whole way through. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, it is setting up next time. It, it is it's giving Missy a bit more freedom to move, which they will expand in world enough and time to, oh, she can lead her own mission now mm, Yeah, on the next time on Doctor Who. So that's quite a nice consistent progression you keep saying next time on doctor who the next time on doctor who in this episode is so unacceptably spoilertastic i don't think i have it in me to forgive it like it it, it shows absolutely everything of the next episode that is of consequence oh drew's about to show something i'm gonna ask you to read out my note i'm taking a photo in whatsapp and i want you to read out the the line in my notes that I wrote about this. I'm just doing it. Oh, it's so seamless. Oh, here we go. Oh, okay. this is this is fantastic. Oh, podcast land. This is this is how the sausage is made. Murder the trailer maker, says Drew. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> this is you encouraging a, a crime, Drew. Just so, just so that everyone is aware of, of what's going on. Murder the trailer maker. Don't show John Sims' face. Just use his voice. Mystery deniability. Yeah, because what are the fans going to talk about? They, they, there's no opportunity to theorize. It's just like, mm. oh, good, John Sims coming back next week. Back to wanking. I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't remember tons about the next episode or the next... Is it a double or a triple? It's it's something. Double. double. The, and what a double. I remember it being what a double. I remember it being absolutely fantastic. And I also remember the John Sim reveal being... Of, of some importance like it was lent a lot of mm. gravitas in the episode i don't know if i mean well i'm now i'm assuming it's the next episode but certainly it's like holy shit this is unexpected so why would you I'm, show yeah. that in this it's so dumb like just don't do it uh, Fuck. i didn't <laughs> i didn't watch the trailer because i i literally finished this 
before we recorded, so I didn't have time. So now I'm really glad. But yeah, now you've said the John Th- Sim thing, I do remember these episodes. But I've been desperate to watch these again because when like the master comes back in the latest series, I remember being really surprised and be like, "But weren't you just weren't you just killed off in like all of the ways you could be killed off? How are you still alive?" So I'll be interested yeah. to watch it back and yep. see like how much wiggle room they leave. None. They thought, leave absolutely none. none. What so else do you remember about <laughs> What else yeah. do you remember about the yeah. next episode? Which sorry, alien sorry baddie is it? That, but... <laughs> Which alien what? Sorry. Which alien baddie is in the next episode? I have no idea. That's all. Oh, I remember. do you not remember? Oh well, no. then maybe we shouldn't say it. Then. Oh no, I do. No, no of course no. I remember. Yes. Because they oh, okay. freaking say it in next time on Doctor Who. Like yeah, they, they yeah. explicitly say it. They don't just say which enemy, they say which kind of enemy. Like that like they go into detail about it. like they they spoil the crap out of it. It's yeah. really quite poorly done. Sorry, this is a tangent mm. of a tangent, but well, still I, it's poorly important moly. because you know, I, I've moaned about various sort of structural features of, of Doctor Who. Um, I love Doctor Who. I love what it represents. I love the ambition and the scope of it and the fact that the BBC can persists with it. And it's like a prestige headline. This is the BBC. This is what we do. But in some ways, it is so poorly managed. And this is, <laughs> this is a perfect example of what you shouldn't do. Mm. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they thought, because this one had such terrible rating or viewings maybe they thought they needed to up the ante with the trailer yeah, but they didn't know that when they prepared the trailer to tack on to the <laughs> end of it on broadcast i yeah. if i remember correctly this perhaps isn't actually the first time we've seen john sim teased we may have seen him as far back as the pilot oh really wait yeah oh, as wow. in coming this series yeah oh. i i think we may have seen a glimpse of him yeah you made it right then. yeah but yeah wrong wrong two wrongs don't make a right it just makes me doubly angry <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I i was i was ambivalent about missy to come back to missy um i thought she mm. did some good commentary um is this really up to your bleeding heart standards well doctor ask her to say to see if she'll sacrifice herself like how long how far along is she <laughs> would she turn around and say that's the stupidest idea i've ever heard of and then you have to rewrite the script rona oh i can see why you avoided it <laughs> I've got nothing to add to this. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So we've gone back to the sacrificial moment. Were you moved by that at all when everybody found their courage and they said we are sacrificing ourselves the rest of our lives, all of us together marching as one? Did that pull on anyone's heartstrings? Wait, wait, wait. Marie, yes or no? Let's say it together. Three, two, one. No. No. <laughs> that wasn't quite in sync, but okay. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> okay. And, uh, not, well, now that you've framed it like that, I feel a bit cold because I feel like it should have it should have pulled on my heartstrings. It was a, a good sacrifice. Did it really though? Like, to, well, oh, sorry, should it really though? Differences Why? apart aside, to come together for the common good, to like sacrifice yourself to save humanity, and it's not even like your bloodline because none of them have children. Like quite often in these things, it's like, oh, I'm saving my like next of kin, and there's nothing to do with that. It's just saving the planet. 
So that's yeah. yeah. We've already been told how tragic it is that these kids are picking up weapons and ready to go to war, and now they are just giving themselves everything they have left. Yeah, but I think maybe that's part of the problem as well because it, it feels almost to me as though the only thing they're saving is another four teenagers like that's that's it like that's everyone left in the world as far as i'm aware watching this series or this episode like great okay so five of them are sacrificing themselves to save four of them they don't know about the future they have no idea i find it very difficult to believe that one of these shit boogins coming through the dimensional rift and soaking up some vitamin d is gonna go yeah i'm gonna fuck humanity now like i find that very (laughs) unrealistic surely it's gonna get killed by someone um yeah i mean okay up until now it's been a very primitive people one person at a time to beat one of these dudes It's not that big a deal. They should have made it like a... Because like you said, Drew, they looked better when they were swimming in the other universe than they did on land. They should have made it a water-based creature and there could have been one that could have been Nessie. Oh, We've had Nessie before already. Oh, you've had Nessie? It's a great idea. It's a fantastic idea, but we've already had Nessie, yeah. Damn. Okay. All the good ones have been taken. Well, I'm going to provide a little bit of counterpoint to this via a comment left on my first Pew 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 article where I wrote about how Messiahs and Doctor Who are messianic figures and the constant need for characters to sacrifice themselves. And one of the comments was left by Cassandra Gray, who said, I watched The Eaters of Light yesterday with Twelve and Bill and wept a bit as the Romans and the Pictish shaman, all young, sallied across the dimensions to spend eternity protecting Earth. Here is a grand sacrifice that simultaneously expiates their sins, imperialism on the one hand, summoning a monster on the other, and saves humanity. Loved it. So this moved some people, but none of us. The thing is that they're not spending eternity. They're they're gonna like you say spend like a couple of days or something. Yeah, tops before they get killed. Like it's just a slaughter. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like they've got any chance. But the thing is, it does seem like the. I mean, at the same time, surely it does. There's one gatekeeper at a time, right? And one boogins at a time. So up until now, only up until now, only because the Roman Ninth Legion showed up, up until now, it has always sufficed to have one primitive individual with like a club or a rock or something that's sufficed to keep the Boogans at bay. But then the Boogans can kill an entire army when they're on this side of the rift. I don't understand that. Is it that there are like seven bajillion Boogans on the other side of the gateway? And so when they go in, it's a whole earth full of Boogans. Like there's a whole dimension full of Boogans. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. That seems fucking dumb then. Don't go in. <laughs> yeah, Stay I know. at the door. And like, and so, okay, the thing. That I didn't, why I didn't, it didn't resonate with me, I think, is because, yes, this system of like one person every generation has to sacrifice themselves is awful and bullshit, and you should not have to do that. Um, but it has been working for however long they've been going. I don't remember if <laughs> yeah, exactly. they said. So, whereas now that, oh, we're all going in together, it's like, it doesn't make a difference. You're all going to die at the same time. If one of you goes, then the rest of you can pass on this legend and you can have children and you can, like, you know, get somebody else in line to do the next one. And, like, it's it's just fucked up with their history because now... 
at some point our side is going to catch up with their side and the Boogans will start coming through again and nobody knows what they are. They think they're just ghosts. Like, no one will know how to stop them. But is there also a problem with just the timeline in general? One of you mentioned uh, early on in this episode that this might be happening every single day. Like, when the sun is at a sing- uh, at a particular position, this happens. So once a day, there's a Boogan. <laughs> or or yeah, it could we, happen. We don't know we that it's not going to happen. Are, are they going to be sacrificing three 65 of these people a, a year potentially like uh, how n- no what the timeline makes no sense this episode mm. makes no sense no yeah, but- I, I don't think it's been thought through so for mm. you the impracticality and the incoherence of the whole setup completely eviscerates any sort of conceptual pull the sacrificial theme would otherwise have yeah, basically, what I'm looking at is a Gantt chart, right? I'm looking at a Gantt <laughs> chart of <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of locals to Bergens, and it's <laughs> so at some point this project is going to fail. So what you're saying is yeah. the numbers game of project management destroys your ability to acknowledge nobility and virtue. Yeah, that's. Ex- I mean, you took the words out of my mouth, Drew. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, but but it, like. In a non-project manager speak, um, it does because if it's a futile, if you're, I'm sacrificing myself to save you today, but tomorrow the world's gonna end. Like it just is stupid and pointless. Yeah, and so I don't feel like that should be like heralded as this like great sacrifice because it's not a, it's not a long-term solution. It's not clever. It's absolutely it not the problem. A it's solution. Just, just pushed it onto the next person. Yeah, exactly. Th- this is. I, <laughs> I don't want to make this more about work, but like I've been in the situation <laughs> at work where it's like, fuck, we've got some sort of memory leak. Let's just throw uh, storage at it. But at a certain point, we're going to run out of either storage or money to pay for it. So mm. this is just an interim solution. And in this case, it's just like, let's throw locals at it. How many do we have? <laughs> we've got a dozen. Great. Keep throwing them. <laughs> you know, How many can you throw? I don't know. One a day. Great. How long will that last? I don't know. We don't have the time or resources to calculate it. So let's just like, <laughs> throw locals at this problem and see how long the world lasts. Yeah. It, this, this does not seem like an episode that it actually is canonically viable, is my point. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't disagree, to be honest. Anybody else got any points? No. Marie? <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I feel, still have a couple. Uh, Another thing. Bill falls down a hole. This happens a lot. When did Ooh. this happen before? This happened last week in The Empress of Mars. Bill was wandering along and then suddenly, whoa, she's she's going down a Martian chute and landing at the That's base true. of the lift shaft. What did she sound yeah. like again? Whoa. Soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She has also jumped down a hole in thin ice. I mean, she jumped True, down yeah, that nice. one, and the Doctor also did. In the first episode, she nearly got sucked into a puddle. I feel mm, like Bill yeah. is constantly in danger of falling into things. Is this just uh, the the BBC giving the writers... Like, the writers are all writing the scripts individually, separately, not necessarily adhering to a certain seasonal structure. They're just like, fuck it, we're going to write this one story. Exactly as you said, Marie. And mm. the only note that the BBC gives them is like, well, I mean, I mean, we're about to do a new season, we've 
got a new companion. Uh, what can you tell us about her? Well, um, she's lesbian. Great. Done. Uh, so what are we going to do? And everyone has the exact same idea. And it, it, <laughs> all of it has there. something to do with like a wet hole. Like massive and everyone... metaphorical vaginas. And then she's been sucked exactly. into them because exactly. she's a lesbian. Exactly. And that's yes. the only thing they can do. Like, that's, no, Thank I you was for thinking it. censoring me. <laughs> I was thinking it. And I was like, it can't be that. I won't say that. And then as soon as you start talking, I was like, oh man, it is that. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's, that's exactly crazy. what it is. Yeah. And it's very crazy. telling that the only opening in the ground that she hasn't fallen down down is a manhole because she's a lesbian <laughs> oh no you're kidding <laughs> leon was Thank this you, close Drew. to spitting out his drink this close i now have a uh, part of my cocktail up my nasal passage thanks drew <laughs> <laughs> if i start leaking campari out of my nose it's your fault <laughs> i will just i will just turn that round for a final tiny positive which is that on the subject of holes and Bill, I liked it when Bill said, I can't promise you won't die, but I can promise you won't all die in a hole in the ground. I thought that was a really nice uh, line. That was nice. Yeah, I agree. That's very good. Oh, it's in my notes. We've got a finger in the air. But it's the opposite. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think... Oh, no. I don't think... <laughs> yes, Marie, you're the best. <laughs> I don't think Bill's speech is as inspiring as she thinks it is. You won't oh. die. You might die, but it won't be in a hole. It's, like, it's not really better, Bill. <laughs> like, you're just going to lead them to their deaths, like a really grim death above ground. Like... I don't know. She doesn't, because she does this after learning that the leader is only 18. She does this little mental calculation and then she's like, okay, I'm going to step up and like be the leader that they need and they need a plan and I don't have one. So I'm going to give them this speech. That's the only thing I can do. Um, and it just, yeah, didn't, it didn't convince me, unfortunately. Sorry. They're young enough to be vulnerable to half bitten rhetoric. <laughs> Uh, no, I thought it was nice because they they were Romans who specifically were cowardly and had deserted, and she she steeled them just enough to get them out of that cave. Yeah, I quite like that as well, actually. Hmm. It, the, the, much of this entire episode is a is a downer, so why not give the downward spiral a little bit more of a spin? <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> It works for me, yeah. Mm. It by no means rescues this episode. Let's make that clear. <laughs> I'm agreeing okay. with you, Drew, but only to a point. <laughs> okay. And one final point, which you will agree with me on because it's a negative, is the moral that if only it were simple enough for us all to share the same language and then we'd achieve world peace. Well, I mean, there must be some way that um, we could make sure everyone on the planet spoke English. We could go out to the far corners of the world and, and take them over and impose the English language and Englishness on, on the four corners of the earth. And once they understood us, then everyone would be fine with it, right? That's what this episode is saying. Uh, I'm going to have to mull that one over. Is that okay? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it yeah, it's not that at all because that's us imposing a language on another people and making them learn our language. Whereas the uh -huh. the thing that's great about the translator is that they each hear the other person speaking their language. So it's like us going oh. to the four corners of the world, but understanding all of their languages and being able to speak to them in their mother tongue, um, and then communicating with them. It's not the same as Imperialization. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I'm defending it though. But every positive I, think... I have, you turn into a negative, and every negative I have. 
<laughs> but I, I think you're right in this situation in in this instance <laughs> okay but it still doesn't excuse it because they still get the whole like oh you're all like children thing so it's still not <sighs> a great <Yeah>. moment <laughs> yeah all we needed was mutual comprehension and uh, we'll never fight again not true nope <laughs> <laughs> mm. how about we rate this bad or good boy <laughs> let's, let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Marie, you lost the finger on nose game. Why don't you take it away? Why? I would be glad to, Drew. Let me let me tell you. Let me take you through a journey of how I experienced <laughs> this episode. So we open on this glorious green Scottish hillside and immediately my heart warms and I was like, oh, look, Mm. it's the UK. I got this little like pang of homesickness. There's nothing that green in Germany that I found. And I was was in the mode and then this cute little Scottish girl, she's running up the hill in her wellies and I was like, oh, wow, it's like a little Amelia Pond callback. That's amazing. And then this crow (laughs) came and it made me think of Clara and I was just... I was all for it. And then we found out about the Romans. And I was like, for sure, this has got to be an Amelia Pond callback. Because wasn't she slightly obsessed with Romans? We had a whole Roman uh, history. And then I remembered that Clara was also weirdly obsessed with Romans. Wasn't she at one point? And Marcus just, Aurelius, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Just turns out that everybody's really into Romans. Doc only hangs out with young women with Roman fetishes for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then that's where it stopped because from then on (laughs) like the reason they were there was the most lame reason ever it couldn't even be like hey yeah let's i want to go explore it was no i'm gonna go and prove you wrong i'm gonna find this lost just yeah it just was a bit fell a bit flat and then it just well i you know we've told you why it got worse and worse you know why it got worse and worse there were too many children in there the monster was a bit naff none of it made any sense bill i didn't connect with in the way that i usually do because i didn't feel this is why i i also think this maybe was filmed out of order because i didn't feel like i had as she didn't feel like she had as much of an emotional connection with the doctor like Normally when the doctor's missing, it's like, oh, he'll come back for me. He's never let me down before. And they're so confident in him. Whereas she was like, oh, yeah, he might not come back. That's weird. I'll have to deal with it. And it didn't have the emotional impact of someone who was worried about being trapped like hundreds of years before she was bo- even born. But it did- And it didn't have the confidence of someone that knows that their companion has got their back at any moment like it was this weird in between stage and that didn't really resonate with me yeah and then the doctor was just super patronizing and did the whole fake out yeah yeah let me sacrifice sacrifice myself for you but with no intention of following through and so he fell a bit flat Nardole I did enjoy I give you some bonus points for Nardole because he brought a lot of comedy to the thing but yeah ultimately I don't know I just wasn't I just wasn't feeling it but it was like not terrible and then we get to the end (laughs) And oh. some and DVD then, cover quote. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all pile in, and the and the the Roman that Bill's had this moment with of like, oh, it's oh, it's okay, I'm not into men, and he's like, hey, whatever. But I saved your life, so we've got this connection for, for you know forever now. He turns around and like makes eye contact with her, and it lasts for fucking ages, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> like he's just slow mo walking away, just like eyeballing her. And it's just so unnecessary. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know how you know how cool guys don't turn around for explosions. Even cooler guys will turn around while walking towards explosions. They don't even need to see the explosions they're walking into. Yeah, they'll turn around forever as well. <laughs> really yeah. lean into that turnaround. <laughs> Yes. So yeah, so that I couldn't go with. And then immediately after that, I was hit with the bombshell of like the crows uh, forever saying her name. (laughs) These these fucking crows that could have been amazing. We could have had fucking talking intelligent crows. Now we've just got this really lame whatever that they think is clever because now they think they've told us, oh, the crows are really intelligent and they're always, you know, they're remembering something and it's really crows are remembering. Exactly. <laughs> Poetic <laughs> moment that is not. Um, so, yeah, so it landed a little bit flat at the end. And then, yeah, Missy, I can't fault Michelle Gomez. I love her with all my heart. She's fantastic. But I just, I'm so bored of this. Like, we're just going to tack on a bit of it. We're not going to make a story arc. We're just going to tack on five minutes at the end of it. And you can put them all together yourself afterwards. I just, it's, it's really annoying. So, yeah, with all that in mind, I actually have to go. I had a number in my head and I'm going to go lower because there's nothing positive in my review now. So I'll give it a 1.5. <gasps> 1.5. Yes. <laughs> yeah, one seems pleased. <laughs> I'm super pleased. <laughs> Mainly for Nardal. <laughs> I mean, it's pleased. fine. It's in, it's enjoyable, but it's bullshit, really. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's excellent, Marie. I love it. <laughs> Do you have anything to counter with, Drew? Why, yes, about 400 words. Here we go. <laughs> I was going to say, welcome back, Rona Munro, because although this is mostly ropey atmospheric fluff, it's very self-assured in its own wonky way, which lends it, when combined with the trivia nugget everyone's aware of, a certain sense of pedigree. And sometimes, to some degree, getting a message and a mood across is more important than agonising over whether every last minutiae makes perfect sense. Oh, I can barely keep a straight face. I'm prepared to accept a fair dollop of nonsense, but this... This goes way too far. In some ways, it's well-balanced, though. The Doctor, Bill, the Picts, and the Romans, they all get a little bit of time to shine, things to do, points to make. Large parts of the episode are fine, watchable, with plenty of chuckles, and a couple of moments that really make you think. I particularly liked Doc's logic of looking for the maximum danger in the immediate area to ensure Bill's safety. And then right at the end, when Marie has already given up on missing, being like, oh, why is this tacked on? I really liked how Doc clasps her hands and says, I don't know how to think about you. Hope is hard to resist. This is a really seismic relationship in the show, in the process of mutating. And I can't wait to see where that goes. And I thought that moment was so well played after the terrible tear. I thought that really would have merited Missy tearing up at that point, were she not needlessly crying already. Mm. However, the massive defects. Like Leon, I found myself wondering whether Judy, the girl from the beginning, was going to be eaten, or indeed had already been eaten. No chance of that. Only the dread certainty of all of reality being torn to pieces by an unvented gusher. And just why is nobody investigating this cave-aged Kaylee? Are all the local adult local adults hard of hearing? Does Scottish puberty erase any whimsy or curiosity to go back to where that fucking five seconds of music kept playing from the hillside? 
And before they came, we all lived in peace, still rankles, like hell you did. It's a Scottish independence fantasy. If you don't think that two weeks after the Sassanac yoke is finally thrown off, Nicola Sturgeon doesn't start throwing wee girls into volcanoes just because Alex Salmon accused her of not being a strong leader. And the clever bit where the answer to tiny, hilarious human lifespans is Dr. Sacrifice himself is definitively moronic. More minor examples. Simon says there's a carving of a fish down by the river. Bill just heads off in the dark, full tilt. Once you get to it, run in a random direction. You can't miss our well-hidden cave entrance. Don't worry, they'll leave the light on until you arrive so that the light monster can also find it. For goodness sake. And then the (laughs) Romans underground. There's a hiss and a crackle. Is that the sun setting? When has the sun ever made a sound when it's (laughs) setting? (laughs) Crying oh out loud. What? <laughs> and then there's 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 a hissing sound that it could not be more monstrous is that the wind in the rocks no eat them now i've had enough it, when the when the dock is in the hut he gets a pebble it's smaller than his shoe to block off the light eater's entrance that wouldn't that wouldn't work as a doorstop and it's keeping this massive wog-sized monster underground. Don't get me started. Oh, okay, here I go. I'm going to finish. During this route, I've been sliding down the twos because you've all made excellent points. I was going to give this a Tracy-esque rating at the beginning, just this side of Helena Bonham Carter. I think, actually, it's <laughs> tipped past into a bit too much. So although I'm such a sucker for wide shots of beautiful green landscapes and I've got to rate this a bit higher than in the forest of the night, it's not going to be much higher. It's going to be 2.4. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Holy moly, how do I follow those two? Those those are two excellent minis. Um, I also would like to start off by just saying, uh, you know what? Chin chin, Rona Monroe. Here, yeah, I'll raise a beaker for you. Well done. Mm, uh, yeah. Holy moly, bridging classic and new. That's excellent. And I, the thing is, I'm not entirely sure if the biggest problems I have with this episode are anchored in the script. I know that a lot of those problems are, but maybe some of that just came out in execution. Maybe some of that is, uh, or, 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 in fact, uh, a significant chunk of it is in in direction i don't know regardless i would like to start off by saying i love doctor who i absolutely do it it, it was a tremendous source of joy for me when i was a child it helped fuel my creativity it probably contributed to my to informing my view of the world the relativity uh, of the relativity of time and space the uh the, the welcoming openness of alien orifices yada 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 so it brings me no joy to say that this episode is sadly a bit of a letdown so where do i start um setting aside the the kids uh, the book ending kids and let's definitely put a massive pin in that because i can't set that aside but i'll put the <laughs> pin in there for just a, a teensy weensy second the the w- one thing that i had in my notes in bold 
uh, and this is not about the script, this is about the direction or the production perhaps, is the second I get anything looking like, quote, alien vision, I'm I'm out. Like, I'm done. Like, oh. I, I don't want to see something from the point of view of an alien that is, I mean, I'm happy to do that, but I don't want to see that if it's there to substitute the, the actual substance of a script or of a narrative of a story and here like the second we got alien narrative in the sorry alien vision in the forest i was like yeah fuck this episode i'm done like i already know exactly how i feel about this let's return to that pin from a second ago the fucking kids <laughs> bookending this episode oh wow yeah really everyone who goes up this hill dies what the actual shit does that mean no no one who has gone up this hill for 1800 years has died this boy is wrong okay i don't trust children i absolutely don't trust this one boy that point is unfollowed through and i don't like this bookend ravens or crows being able to speak the whole like oh her name is car remember and then ravens speak car car in an early draft i can i i, I can sense that this was pigeons and it was like hey remember her name is I, and then everything is just like pigeons saying her name over and over again. I don't like it. I feel like this is another point that is just unfollowed through. Effectively, it's the equivalent of in in a Moffat stories. You know, like you know how on every in brackets rare occasion that you walk through a cemetery and you pass <laughs> a stone angel and you go, "That's an alien." On no occasion have I walked past a crow and gone, "Oh yeah, that's an intelligent being." That's remembering. No, <laughs> it's bullshit. I'm sorry. This is all uh, just a, a disorderly list of bullets on my side. But that, that bloody music soundbite, couldn't the BBC have invested in at least a handful of variations of that clip? I hate to generalize, but the world at large isn't necessarily enamored with bagpipes. And this episode is not helping. And, and you know what? I... Uh... I don't even remember seeing a fucking bagpipe in this episode. Like, th th there's there's a band. We hear them. We don't see. Like, no. Why isn't that one of my bullet points? <laughs> it uh. might it might be that the band is is more uh, comprised of folksy fiddles and primitive accordion like instruments rather than specific bagpipes. I don't even remember seeing a band. Okay, I don't, I, I even don't remember, remember anybody that. playing an exactly. instrument. They should have it's been just walking like, hey, through. Hey, we wander and there's music. Yeah, they, they do. Primary. They do strike up when they're luring the monster to the cairn. Yeah, uh, uh, I I can't care about this one. I don't can <laughs> about this one. Um, in, in general, I I think though, just to take this in a slightly different direction, I I feel like this episode could have done with a slightly different pace. It's all very Enya. It's trying to be slower than it actually needs to be. It's so slow and contemplative without seemingly having anything to contemplate. In that regard, I feel like on a production level, this is a failure. Quick note about characters. Uh, Doc, sound like children. We talked about that. Uncharacteristic. Bill, uh, hi, I'm Bill. I'm prepared to sacrifice uh, the locals for the greater good. Uncharacteristic. Romans, mm. hi, we're only interested in our own survival. Let's sacrifice ourselves. Uncharacteristic. Face paint people we have gastrointestinal issues let's have popcorn uncharacteristic the monster <laughs> also wasn't misunderstood like the crooked man in hide or threatening like in the vin diesel masterpiece pitch black like i don't really know what to make of it overall i feel like this episode was a bit of a letdown so unfortunately i'm giving this and the reason i cheered when you gave this a 1.5 marie was because i was thinking yes i'm not giving this the lowest score i'm giving this a 1.7 <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not a, I'm not hugely enamored with this episode. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ne- next next week, I think we're gonna see quite a gulf, and I may regret not leaving myself more room to head higher. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Well, that's it from us. Shall we see what Podcast Land has to say about this episode? Ooh, let's. This is now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max to 50, or it would get out of hand. So this week we have two listener minis. I guess that's better than one. Thanks to the two of you who wrote in, the first of whom is Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hi, Kieran. Kieran begins. Hi, folks. I'd totally forgotten what this one was about. So, is it anything special? Well, it's not terrible, I suppose. It reminds me of last time with Gatus's script. It's just a bit unremarkable, really. A fairly generic runaround with a monster of unspeakable horror and two warring groups who end up helping each other fight the beast. Other than some nice scenes with Bill and the Romans, I don't particularly care much for this one. And Kieran continues... Death by Scotland? Lol. Scotland isn't that bad for sunlight. I've gotten sunburn on many occasions while living in Edinburgh. It's the midges you have to look out for. They'll midges, strip a man to the bone. Midges! Midges! <laughs> I put midges in the B-scale. In the B-scale, yeah, yeah. Drew's got a thing for midges. Uh, <laughs> Kieran, here's your friend who agrees with you. <laughs> I, I've got a thing for geographical accuracy, and I feel like I nailed it. Sorry, Marie. Carry on. Okay, I'll try. Um, <laughs> it's the midges you have to look out for. They'll strip a man to the bone in five minutes. <laughs> so what does Kieran give this? Not terrible. Not great. 2.7 out of 5. Solid. Solid stuff. <laughs> nice one, Kieran. Cheers Good to day. you, Kieran. <laughs> and relatively speaking, huge heart. Hmm. Massive. Uh, how can people let Kieran know that he has some cardiac issues to look into? Why, an individual of such huge heartedness could only be found on the Tweety Box at KJ Evans 2. Was that KJ Evans 2 the number? Yes, not to the preposition. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Who else has written in? Ooh, might it be? Three, two, one. Michael Hello, Michael. Love you, Michael. Hi, oh my Michael. goodness. I had a weird, almost ESP level awareness of something very big nearby. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kieran's heart. We've we've already done that one. <laughs> Oh. Michael seems to be a different proposition this week. <laughs> Leon, take it away. Michael starts with a list of likes. Uh, tumbleweed in brackets. <laughs> and that concludes the list of likes. But as usual, Michael has a list of... Beefier <laughs> 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 than normal. <laughs> First proof. Why would you tease a Missy episode but only have her for the last few minutes? Why? Why would you do that? That is the best bit of the episode. Wait, that being the best bit of the episode, just rubbed salt into the gaping bloody wound. Yeah, correct. I agree. <laughs> nice. Michael. Yeah. Said, the, said the same thing about the lie of the land. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Next proof. The monster was Lovecrafty creepy until it just sat there stationary at the end being poked with sticks. The crowd is booing you, monster. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, you're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Next. 
what the heck happened at the end? There were millions of those things. How is the brigade not all dead within seconds, i.e. two days on Earth, not hundreds of years? Yeah, yeah. solid question. Another Good question. Yeah. Got no yeah. answer. Um, yeah, we've got nothing. And what was the pointless crow plotline all about? I thought it was a reference to Face a Raven, says Michael. Mm. I thought the Doctor would start punching them to avenge Clara. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been way better. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it would have been. And because they can speak, they're all going, Ow! Please! Please! Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Not the beak! Ow! Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Michael's fifth beef is worst opening ever. In early New Who, these those kids would be goners. And it makes me think of the beast below, the space whale. There was a kid who was a goner nice and quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. What's happened? <laughs> the worst these kids could do is sprain an ankle on the hill. <laughs> the only tragedy that befalls them is that they're subjected to that dreadful soundbite. <laughs> Uh, the final beef in Michael's list is, why do all the rocks look so plastic? Where is my license fee going? The fair point, Michael. Yeah, not to and... plastic rocks. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And in summary, Michael had completely forgotten this episode the first time around, and he hopes to completely forget it again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And oh, Michael man. concludes with a rating of 0.4 out of 5 sun-dried Romans. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, Michael. One way oh, or another, man. you never fail to be less than enormous. <laughs> Wait, I think that's a double negative. I can't get my head around your bigness. That's how big you are. <laughs> Uh, bravo, I'm now starting to regret my rating. <laughs> you think you're regretting it. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, Michael. So, so big. Can we in some way admire Michael's well-endowedness online? Why, yes, Michael will endow you with tweets from his birth on Twitter at bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. <laughs> No underscore. Exactly. And that's it. Woo woo. That's not all of Doctor Who, though, surely. Oh, yeah, there's a little bit still left in the can. Leon, what have we got coming up next in the Classic Channel? Oh, excellent question. Well, next up in Classic Who, we've got The King's Demons. Oh, goodness. Yeah, super duper looking forward to that. I have never heard of that one. Yeah, I won't lie, nor had I. Okay, that bodes well. Marie, what have we got coming up in the new Who channel? Well, we teased it a little bit already. Um, Hopefully not too many spoilers, but next time we'll be checking out World Enough and Time. Ooh. You bet we will. And next in the bonus channel, there's something else we've teased. If you were paying close attention, you'll have heard the title of it already. It's an audio adventure original to Who Back When. So stay tuned for that. Yes. Uh, oh, looking forward to it. In the meantime, where can you find fellows we found online? Marie, have you put up any significant photos lately? Uh, I did a, a nice lighthouse image the other day on the Instagram. So if you want to check that out and other fabulous photos, you can check me out on Instagram at Ham Mash and Jelly. 
What? Those are three of my favorite things. <laughs> and Leon, how about you? I bet you're constantly tweeting to make this podcast just as famous and unavoidable as it could possibly be. Oh, holy moly, am I ever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've got two Twitter accounts in my phone. I uh, very rarely use either of them. But if you do want to say hi to me, I will say hi right back. You can find me at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-M. Not rebranding? You've, you've given up on the re- whole rebranding thing? Yeah, you know what? Rebranding is for suckers. Uh, I'm, I'm just proud of who I am. <laughs> Stick the course! <laughs> <laughs> what about you, find, Drew? You can find me at Drew Back When. Well, that's it. Thanks so much for being a lovely audience. It's been a pleasure. Catch it on the flip side. Rock on and ciao. Bye bye. Bye. Ciao. Again, again. Toodles. Yeah, bye. Bye then. Bye for now. See ya. <laughs> no, I think what you're looking for is goodbye. <laughs> Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen, all in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen, all in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when? Who back when?